I just felt like I was always playing that, like, I need you role when really as a business owner, if somebody wants to work with you, like, I think it's important to understand that they also need you. It's definitely a a two-way street and you're selling them product, but they need your product in their store or on their site or whatever that is. Welcome everybody to the Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely believe that both generosity and prosperity can and must coexist. I'm sitting down with two really good friends of mine and two brilliant friends of mine, Lori Lefcourt and Kelsey Ayers. Now, both of them have physical product companies, and both of them have sold them or scaled them to awesome levels. Now, here's why this is important for you to listen to today. They have cracked the code on how to get people to spread word about your product and make it viral in a really affordable way. Let's be honest. When we start a company, when we have a brand, most of the time we don't have big advertising budgets. You probably don't have a big advertising budget. And what I love about these two brilliant women is that they grew their two companies the same way that you're likely growing yours. And that is on a very tight budget. And that's why they were forced to come up with this really unique, clever way to get other people to share word about your product in a passionate way. So we're going to dissect that. They are going to teach that. And whether you've got a physical product company or whether you sell courses, books, anything like that, these principles on how to get people to share it for you are going to apply. So get ready. Listen up. I promise you this episode is not only fire, but it's massively valuable. Here we go. All right, Lori, Kelsey, my dear friends, how the hell are you? Super great. How are you? Good. This is long overdue having you guys on. It really is. I think we've been like bugging you for what, like <laughs> two years now? Like, okay, Chris, when are we going to go on your podcast? <laughs> you yeah. know what? We should actually we should actually start by backing up to that because people, it's funny. A lot of people, they want to be on the show but it's always about timing. I have this this ability to know when the show is going to offer the most value for everybody listening and at the same time offer the most value for you as a guest. And there's a sweet Mm -hmm. spot. And I think people don't understand this. So for everyone listening right now, this is a quick lesson for you and your business. There's a sweet spot to not saying yes to everything right away. There's a sweet spot to making sure it's an absolute win-win for both parties. And you guys are in that sweet spot right now because you have so much damn momentum. And that's what I'm excited to talk about. So that being yeah. said, why don't we start with how the three of us know each other? Because this is a cool story. Who wants to take lead on that? You probably don't remember this, but I remember when my cousin got me to try isogenics. I mm-hmm. went to an event and I went to, to <laughs> Nobu. And right after, I actually apologize for the dogs. So right after I saw you and Lori and I was like, oh my God. And I had to meet you. And right off the bat, I was like, I want to learn everything from this guy. And then you had your first mastermind. It was one of the best experiences I've had. It was our first investor with Unicreamer. And then a couple years later, and and Chris, I'll let you fill in the blanks. After I did your mastermind, you introduced me to Kelsey. And we just became like, two peas in a pod business wise when we realized both of us were psychos working from working at two in the morning, 15 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. See, I recognized that in you guys, I recognized that the two of you had skill sets that were going to be massive compliments to each other's business goal. Like I'm telling you your network and people hear this at nauseum and they, I think sometimes they dismiss just how important it is. 
but your network will make or break you. And I had both of you in my network. I saw where both of you were going, like massive trajectories. And I also saw that you guys needed each other and putting you two together was going to be really powerful. So yeah, Kels, why don't you pick it up from there, from the time that I was like, all right, you two need to be homies. Okay. Actually, I'm going to say that I have to backtrack because this is also really funny, but <laughs> you, I remember I messaged you on Instagram and was like, I was listening to your podcast. And this was like, I literally remember what exit ramp I was getting off on in Long Beach. And you messaged me a voice message back and you're like, why aren't you in Fast Foundations yet? And I was like, <laughs> I went home to my husband and I was like, um, should I go you do Fast Foundations? And he's like, yeah, do it. So I remember signing up, going, same thing, met you and Lori. We're all from, uh, well, yeah, we're all from Wisconsin. And I was like, okay, there's just, you know, Wisconsin people just are drawn to each other. And then afterwards, I remember being like, do you have anybody that I can link up with? And then, yeah, now here we are. I meet Lori. I remember getting on the first call with her and then being like, okay, not only will I like have so much fun with this girl, like we both love to have fun, love to drink tequila, love to work really hard. And we both want to do like massive, massive things. Now we're besties and business partners. And here we are. As I'm telling you, we share that Wisconsin cheese blood. Anytime you yeah. share Wisconsin cheese blood with people, you know, it's going to be a hit. Yep. So this is interesting. I want to stay on this network for a minute. Business is tough and, and business can be lonely and business can be, it's just a grind sometimes. And all of that to say, it's absolutely worth building a business, but it can sometimes not feel very fun. You two coming together and let's say us three working together on different projects because we've worked on different projects together with different people. It's amazing how one small step into a mastermind has turned into so many different projects and so many different collaborations, right? What would you say the best thing that's come out of your partnership is between the two of you? That's a really good question. Lori and I just yesterday were talking about how people ask us all the time, could you just do this on your own? Or could you do this on your own? And yeah, at the end of the day, sure, I probably could. But would it be as fun? And would I have that support that I do from her? Absolutely not. There's days where, you know, Lori needs me to say, hey, we're on track. We need to do this, like pick it up. And then she'll do the same for me. Like you can't be consistent all the time by yourself. But when there's two of you and you can balance each other out, it works really well. So yeah. yeah, I'd have to say like Kelsey is the one of the most accountable people and I've had business partners in the past, but no one that I can actually count on, not even a, in a business sense, but even if one of us and Chris, you know, our journey business wise, it has been all these ups and downs. It wasn't one of those fancy stories where like we sold our first company at 26 and then became like multimillionaires. There's literally like, we feel like we work so hard and like, there's been years where we're like, why isn't this hitting? And when we have those meltdowns, like she's the one person who will always pick up the phone, even if there's not something business wise, that's the issue and we'll work it out. And typically when we have something going on in our personal lives that affects our business, both of us actually work harder where in the past, sometimes it was the opposite direction where uh, the business partner would be out for a couple months or have something happen. We actually are the two that just like grind when that happens. Yeah, I, I got to back that up. You guys are two of the hardest working people I know. And like, I'm not saying that to be nice to your face because we're on the show. You are two of the hardest working people I know. And Laura, you said something really important for everyone out there considering a business partner. You have to find somebody that is going to keep up with the pace that you want to grow this company. You got to find somebody, you use the word consistency. That's going to be as consistent as you want to be, or it's almost doomed to fail, isn't it? Yep, exactly. Like you, but you have to yeah. be on the same page, especially like we have big dreams, make a lot of money for a purpose. Like, just like you always say, Chris, and if someone's not on the same page as you, you're just going to be frustrated 24 seven and you might as well just go out on your own because it's not going to work. I was just going to say, it really comes down to you ultimately respecting that person too, because if you don't feel like that other person is pulling the same weight as you, you're never going to have that mutual respect and you're never, it's never going to be a, a good relationship. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think that's where, where partnerships fall apart. In the beginning, like, this is going to be so great. You're good at A, B, and C, and I'm good at X, Y, and Z. And we're going to ride off into the sunset. And they don't understand that partnerships have the same dynamics as like romantic relationships, meaning you have to learn communication and accountability and negotiate each other's dreams and make sure that's on the same pace. 
And I think right. people, they neglect that sometimes when they're setting up a partnership. Okay, so I want to get into adding value to listeners immediately. We already have, but here's the, the first question I want to pose to each of you. And we're going to start with you, Lori. You built a very successful company that you were able to sell called Unicreamer. We were excited to be investors in that in the very beginning. And I like that you said it wasn't some romantic, incredible, built it fast, sold it fast, rode off into the sunset with, you know, $100 million type of thing. This was a grind for you. This was bootstrapping for you. I remember watching the struggles that you and, and your sister worked through. So the question is, what do you wish? One skill, one tip, what one you know, way of doing business do you wish somebody would have shared with you before you started that company? The one thing, if I could go back and do something different, I would first assess my personal financial situation and what I needed to move forward because I had left my ex of five years in New York with a pretty nice lifestyle and then went to my sister's bedroom in Streeterville, Chicago with two of her roommates. It was like three dogs and four girls. And we were packing orders like every day and every night. She's in the other room right, right now. So just like <laughs> And to be honest, I just thought like, okay, I had no idea what to even think about this. I was like, let's just start a business. I'll go all in. And she's supporting it with her medical sales job. But I wish I had really sat down and been like, here are my personal finances. Here's what I need moving forward. Here's where I should still probably get a job until I feel comfortable enough to grow this business. And I should have raised money right away rather than have waited until the last minute when it became more of a, not desperation, but it was... playing from behind. Yeah, exactly. More leverage at least. This is crucial. I hope everybody hears this. I have a follow-up question. But when you're going to go off and start a business, you need to assess your personal financial situation to know how much time can you lend? Do you need another job while you do it? Should you burn the bridges and, and just find a way to support yourself? These are very important questions to ask before you just dive into the business. And by the way, it's okay to keep another income source or job and build a business simultaneously, side by side. You don't have to burn the boats. But it's also simultaneously okay to burn the boats, get rid of every income source that you have if you are going to raise money and pay yourself a salary. And I think this is the piece, I'm glad you brought this up, that people don't realize is you don't have to live on nothing if you need 100% of your time to build a business. You can raise capital and use a small portion of that capital as salary. And I think people don't know that, do they? No, they don't. And there's a really easy way to figure that out too. Like I now have a projection sheet that I made for myself of my daily life where it clearly shows what I need, what I make, what I can put into investments, what I can put into taxes. And if you are actually able to put all of that into a spreadsheet, you can see like the day you can quit. You can see the day if you hit this amount, you can quit your job here. And once you're able to like visualize that and really sit down and think about that, then you feel so much better because you have a path to when this is a possibility for you to go all in. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Like, I think part of the fear of starting a business is that unknown. You're saying, why does it have to be unknown? Literally get out a spreadsheet, chart it out, know what the course looks like and know what you're facing. And that takes probably half the hesitation out of pursuing a business. Exactly. To this point, then we're going to bounce over to you, Kelsey. My friend Rob Deerdeck that invests in a lot of startups from ground zero. When they invest in someone, they'll invest five hundred or a million dollars into somebody, and then they'll they'll grow the business together. And I asked him and his business partner Brian Atlas once. I said, "How do you feel about your founders taking salaries?" And they said, "We insist on it. We won't let them forego a salary because then, even if it's a small one, they feel resentful that they're spending so much time." on building this business and not getting any personal dopamine hit of, of that little paycheck coming out of it. Yeah. And I said, that's fascinating because you know here you are handing a million dollars to a founder and you're asking them to take a hundred grand or 120 grand out of that each year to pay themselves. And I asked them, I said, what's an appropriate founder salary? And they said, well, it's different for, for every founder, every business, but they like to see them take 120 to 140 grand a year because it's already going to be a smart, talented founder. And I just found that fascinating. So I thought their answer would be, nope, we want all the money to stay in the business. But it was the opposite. 
Yeah. Sorry. I never even answered your question before about that, but a hundred percent, I think in hindsight, that just makes so much sense, but you're so scared when you're a new entrepreneur to like ask for that. Cause how dare you ask someone to invest in your business and pay your daily life. But if you think about it now that we have employees for the first time, if I'm investing in them as an employee and paying them, I want them to be so happy, especially my best performing ones. And it goes with investors too. Like if I'm asking for money, I want them to know that I am so happy building this business. And also like I can afford to like pay my bills as well. And that will make me a better worker if I'm able to be healthy, not worry about money all the time. So I think a smart investor is really good at like, just like Rob, like that is a great salary because you know that those founders are now not worried about the money. They can fully concentrate on the business. Yeah, I love it. Right there, we just hit end on the podcast and people will now be empowered <laughs> to be able to pay themselves and build a business simultaneously. All right, Kelsey, I want to switch to you real quick. You built Sweat yeah. CBD, an incredible CBD company that is going through some super breakthrough advancements right now in terms of like, I don't want to call it a sale. Let's call it some exciting new partnerships coming up. And you learned a lot yeah. of lesson in building that business. So what do you wish? What's the one thing you wish? Uh, skill set, lesson, warning, that somebody would have taught you or shared with you before you started? You know, I've, it's funny. I was actually going to say raising money too. But since Lori said that, I want to add value in a different way. So I have another one because there was many, many things I wish people would have told me. Right. Many. I just like Lori made so many mistakes. I can't even count. There were so many times I just, I had no idea what I was doing. Literally Googled how to start a business. And which I think Lori Harder did too. I remember her saying that on one of her podcasts. Anyways, I think probably the one thing that I wish I would have known was that I can say no, that I am not at every person's mercy. So I went through so many mistakes where I was trying to get into these large retail chains or franchises and they were asking like the most unrealistic demands of me. They wanted me to basically make new SKUs and design new labels and create all of this separate packaging and displays and I'm literally funding this business with like every dollar that's coming in. I'm waiting every day to like invest new money. And if I would have just said no, I probably would have been a lot more profitable even in my first year than I was. But I was putting like 30 grand, 40 grand of like my savings, like my life savings into making this one person super happy. And then they didn't even sell anything. So I just felt like I was always playing that like, I need you role when really as a business owner, if somebody wants to work with you, like, I think it's important to understand that they also need you. It's yeah. definitely a, a two-way street and you're selling them product, but they need your product in their store or on their site or whatever that is. This is huge. This is powerful. Talk about where people burn out, where they get frustrated, where they quit is you're right. When you are the founder, you have this scarcity built into you. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't sell? What if people don't want my product? What if there's not another customer? And from that place of scarcity, it causes us to say yes to bad deals, yes to bad partnerships, yes to bad ideas, because we're so afraid it's the last one that's going to come along. Yes. So when you say that you wish somebody would have shaken you by the shoulders and said, when you doubt a customer or a partnership, it's okay to say no. There always will be another one. Yeah. That would have saved you so much time and money and heartbreak. It would have been crazy. Totally. It's always like, and, and I get it. Like, I mean, that is one of those things where it's the excitement. Like you just started this business. You have this huge opportunity. But I think sometimes it's better to slow down and assess that opportunity and kind of, you know, go back to like maybe using Lori's projection sheet and figuring out like, what is the probability of this deal? Or is it just for like, I hate to say it, but like clout? Is it just that I want to say I'm in, you know, 150 stores across the country? What are those stores actually going to do for me? You know, I w wish that I would have evaluated that I was going to be a lot more profitable selling online than trying to be in all of these retail stores. So, so yeah, I think I was just caught up in like the newness of being a business owner and wanting that that hype and almost that like gratification that I kind of did it, but didn't really realize what the true outcome would be. 
we all do that, right? It comes from a place of ego. I want to say I've made this advancement. I want to say I'm in these stores. I want to say I'm working with this person. And when you make decisions from ego, it's going to cost you dearly every single time. What a great example. Thank you for, for being willing to share that. So let's take this now in the next step. And that is on this show for more than a year, I have been telling people that one of the trends that they're going to see, whether they're a coach or an influencer or whether they own a, a brick and mortar gym or service, or it doesn't matter. You're going to see a huge upward tick in people adding physical goods. The same way that my wife said, you know, what? I'm going to go build a beverage company. We are in that time. We are in that space right now where everybody needs to consider monetizing their brand themselves with physical goods. Now, some people listening right now, they're already doing that, or they started a CPG. And by the way, when we use terms like CPG, that means consumer packaged goods for the listeners. Weren't we joking around once about all the different three-letter like analogy things or whatever that... So anyhow, folks, when you hear us say CPG, it's consumer packaged goods. But some people listening, they started with a company like that, but most of them, they're just now considering a shift into it, or they've went out and started something small, and it doesn't have the traction that they want. So I think it boils down to, and feel free to correct me, getting in front of enough people. Of course, you got to worry about margins and everything else. But at the end of the day, getting in front of enough people kind of solves all problems, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think the power of consumer purchasing decisions is built on like audience now. So I think we base everything that we buy and do off of what everyone else around us is buying and doing. We're very hashtag influenced in 2022. It's just like the thing that's shifted is just how you're getting it in front of everyone. So for instance, when I was doing Unicreamer, Facebook was still legit. Like you could still actually run really great ads and get really great data. Some clients are still doing great with it, but you could still do that. And we had viral videos for Unicreamer that really sold out our product. And then it shifted into really large influencers like the Kim K's of the world who are getting paid a lot and everyone was doing what they were doing. And now it is just the power of the creator and the people. Like you don't really need a lot of followers anymore. Every the buying power is in the hands of just your everyday friends and family. And so that's the shift of like how people are getting their products or their services out there in 2022. That's different than like 2018 or prior. This is so valuable because the truth of the matter is if we have to be in front of enough people, then up until about now, that meant you had to have a large marketing budget. And most people don't have that when they're starting out. Or you had to be able to pay mega influencers. And most people couldn't afford that. I know like for Kim K to advertise something. Do you guys know how much it is? Is it 2 million bucks or something like that for a post? Yeah, it's, it's oh like, yeah, it's, it's like 1 to 2 million per post. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? My friend Dan Fleischman, he spends $60 million a year through his agency on paying A-list influencers to post for yeah. things. Most people, they can't even fathom that kind of advertising budget. So then what do they do? They start doing Facebook and Instagram ads. Well, mm-hmm. once iOS 14 rolled out about, you know, what, six months, nine months ago, a year ago, that kind of went to shit. Now it's just like, it has to be a part of your marketing plan, but it's no longer this targeted surgery where you could literally go pluck somebody's grandma off of her Barca lounger and make her come buy your product. It used to be surgical. Yeah. Now it's just like chucking mm-hmm. it against the wall to see if anybody wants it. So yeah, right. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, like you said, Lori, they're kind of working for some people, but... They're not what they used to be at all. And so that, that's where people are frustrated. So where the hell should they go? How do they get this in front of people? So I think a relevant example here would be my, me building Sweat CBD. And I actually couldn't even run ads. So essentially ads did not work for me. I couldn't Tell afford influencers. Tell them why. Right, it was so- CBD or alcohol, certain things you're not allowed to run ads. Exactly. They're, you're restricted. And on, on what, well, especially with Facebook, I don't think you can do YouTube or TikTok or anything like that. TikTok doesn't even allow supplements now. So you're very restricted with digital advertising when it's a CBD or supplement product or alcohol, like you said. So I knew that I had two choices. It was either I build a sales team or I literally go stand on the, the street corner and sell my product. And I did stand on the street corner and sell my product, but then I realized that was not the best use of my time. So 
I built out what I thought was a sales team, but it was really an affiliate team. And I wanted to pay them on commission. And I built out a process to do that. So I started just asking friends and family and customers and people who love the brand. Do you want to tell your friends and family about this product or share it on your social media platforms? And I'll pay you a percentage of every sale that you bring in. And so it started, you know, very simple. I gave them a coupon code. I offered them additional incentives. Like I'll give you a personal discount on your product. And we'll also have monthly webinars where I'll introduce you to everybody else who is a part of this. So organically, I really didn't even know I was building out an affiliate program, but that was the only way for me to truly get out there in front of people without being able to run ads and without having the budget to pay a large influencer. So I think to answer your question, the best and most organic way that you can get out there in front of people is to build a sales force for your brand of your customers who know, love it, and trust you. I love this. And I like it because you're not spending money up front. You're only spending money when they create a sale for you, right? So if you've got a $30 supplement and they sell it for you and they're getting a 20% split, then they get six bucks, you get 24. It's a win for everybody. You got some margin left and you're only paying them for their advertising efforts if it actually creates a sale. Now, I got to challenge you a little bit because affiliate sales have been around for a long, long time. You know, Organifi, so many other great companies that we know, yeah. they've always been doing affiliate sales. But you're kind of talking about a different, more organic, everyday person affiliate sale, not this old way of going out to mega podcasters or mega influencers and saying, you know, setting up these, these programs. Explain what makes it a little bit different. Yeah. So we really have that emphasis on the organic side of this, because what I've seen from doing this since 2018 is really that these like influencers, you know, people with the 30, 40,000 followers on Instagram, they want even $2,000 to like $5,000 per post now. And everyone considers themselves to be an influencer. And I myself have personally invested in that. I've helped clients invest in that. And there just wasn't the return that people were looking for. And why? Because these people are promoting themselves as lifetime affiliates or influencers. They're promoting several products all at once. It's coming up as very inauthentic and not relatable. And they're not actually connecting with anyone. Plus they're only posting one time and it's, showing to us now that it's taking about six to eight times or six to eight touch points for that person's audience to see them in order for that to convert. So what we decided to focus on was really building out, you know, an organic team, like real people. Like I want to hear from my neighbor, what sort of beauty product she's using, not an influencer who just promoted 10 other products this week. It's not relatable to me. It doesn't seem real. I want to know this experience like firsthand. People are craving authenticity more than ever right now the past couple of years. They have developed one heck of a, a bullshit meter, right? Yeah. And seeing, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Shiny person with their 100,000 followers talk about how much they love me undies or whatever product that they just <laughs> swear they love, people see through that now. And so totally. you're saying the everyday mom, the everyday dad, the everyday neighbor, the everyday person is more valuable to your marketing plan than somebody with 30, 40, 50, 100,000 followers. Yeah. Yeah. We're going back to word of mouth. This is like, it's a, such a full circle moment here. This is what it, you marketing used to be. It used to be like, I buy these pair of pants that I love. I tell all my friends, I tell everyone at the gym. I, you know, I tell my mom, she needs them. And if you think about that, it sounds really small. It small, sounds like, how will I ever scale that? But this compounds, if you have, hundreds of people doing this. And then that is, it's like a spider web. You know, I tell my mom, she tells all of her friends at, at school or church or whatever. It's real. And you can't fake that. So I think that's why it's If you want to see proof of that on social media, just log into TikTok and see the everyday mom that is getting really big on TikTok right now and going viral because they're relatable and it's just funny in everyday life. Like that is the shift that we're seeing. It is no longer that much fun to watch the Kim K's of the world or the, even the 40 to 50,000 now. It's going to like the everyday person that just has funny, organic things to say and share. That's amazing. It's, I don't want to call the everyday person the underdog, but if in the past we put people with great big followings and great big notoriety on a pedestal, then that means the everyday person 
didn't have the ability to sell or get paid to help somebody monetize their dream. But now, now you're saying that quote underdog, they're the ones that are most valuable to have represent your brand and invest in your company. And there's a way to do it where you're not wasting money on a $5,000 post and then it doesn't sell anything. Yeah, exactly. And I think more than ever, and Kelsey, you're so much better at explaining this, but because of that, because like we're not giving those $5,000 paychecks, it's more important than ever to come up with a really good offer for these affiliates. So Kels, can you go into that a little bit deeper? Yeah, totally. So when we're working with our clients and helping them build out affiliate programs for their brands, we emphasize that the number one, the most important thing about the design of this program is the affiliate offer. So for example, what sort of commissions are you giving them? What personal discount are they getting on your products? Because a lot of times what you're going to find is that these affiliates might not even be interested in commission. That might be because they're high or earning individuals and they don't necessarily need 10 extra dollars in their pocket per sale, but they love your products. And for them to save 25% every time they order seems like more of a bonus. Also, there's additional incentives. So, you know, do they get to join in a community? Um, maybe it's they have private access to products on your Shopify store that the public doesn't get access to. So you can get really creative with this. I mean, we've even worked with brands who have, they can have a high payout, but their affiliate is, again, not interested in commission. So we build in something like a charitable give back where instead of actually taking that cash themselves, they get to donate it to a charity of their choice every quarter. This is freaking powerful. Because I had an epiphany when you were saying that in your first example. I think we rush to say, how much money can I give this person for them to talk about my brand, right? And that can become very expensive. But what you're saying is, for some people, money's not even the motivator. They might be a huge advocate of you or what your brand does for people, or they want to be able to make a little money for charity. But what struck a chord with me is when you said, they just might want to order your product at 25% off or 30% off whenever they want your product. And for that privilege, they have to go out and share it a certain number of times. That's genius. Because now, not only are you not paying for a three or four or $5,000 post and possibly wasting that money, now you're not even giving them a cut of the sales. Instead, you're having them spend money to reward themselves with their own commission, so to speak. It's and actually, crazy genius. And actually, another huge component of this is what we call a buy-in. And we build this into about 90% of the programs that we create. So what I found when I was building my first affiliate program was that I actually, as a small business, couldn't afford to give CBD products away to everyone. It wasn't cheap. And again, I didn't have any capital to work with. So what I did was I actually very steeply discounted the products, but I actually made every affiliate purchase in order to become an affiliate. Why? Because one, it gives them skin in the game. Like this person now feels like they are a part of something because they bought into it. I mean, anytime you hear about like isogenics or anything like that, you have to actually buy something at the beginning to join that program. I think there's something, you know, subconscious there about somebody buying a product to be a part of something. They're invested. Second, you can really vet out who's actually serious about doing this and who's not. Because if someone doesn't actually want to try the product, then chances are they're probably not going to be my best affiliate. So are you going to hear a ton more no up front because somebody actually has to make that purchase instead of getting a freebie? Absolutely. But are you going to have a lot more quality of people on this affiliate team? 100%. So uh, there's one thing that's coming up for me that I want to challenge because it's probably thinking you know, other people are probably thinking about this too. I understand the concept of why this works so well. But the benefit in the past of having a celebrity or mega influencer, you know, post or say they like something, be your affiliate, was that it was getting it in front of enough people. Remember, we started the show by saying the key is how many people can you get in front of? So now if we're having, you know, marry the mom with 400 followers do it, that means we need a thousand of these marry the moms. And quite honestly, coordinating that, finding them sounds challenging, intimidating. What's the solution to that? Yeah. So what we do is actually build out tiers within this program. So marry the mom is one puzzle piece of this. So we really do focus on that organic marry the mom type persona. 
we don't expect Mary to be posting to her 400 followers every day and to see huge returns on that. We expect the more word of mouth marketing, the much more organic feel with that kind of an affiliate. Then there might be a middle tier that's maybe our 10,000 to 20,000 follower or, you know, again, it's not just about followers. I'm just using this as a reference, but our 10 to 20,000 follower uh, a middle tier, we could call them like our regular affiliates. Those people are actually sharing a lot of great content. We're gathering that content, repurposing it. So there's a ton of value there and they actually do have a reach. So you're seeing conversions there. And then usually our top tier would be called our VIPs. And these actually are influencers, but the difference them being an influencer in an affiliate program you know, and them being a typical influencer is the offer that we're giving them. So what often happens is an influencer will say, well, I want $2,000 up front. So what we'll instruct our client to do is maybe that first time we do pay them the $2,000. But what we also do is give them an affiliate code. So when that affiliate code is used, we can then take that data back to them and say, we paid you the $2,000. But if you would have taken the affiliate offer instead, you would have made $5,000. And then you have them on board as an influencer. I'm sorry, you have that influencer on board as an affiliate and you start building out that third tier of your program. You guys are so talented at the marketing side of this and marketing on a budget. It's crazy. Matter of fact, Lori, I've paid people, I've paid you a compliment many times to people that I've probably never shared with you. And I'll always say she's the most resourceful person when it comes to stretching the most out of a dollar in business that I've ever met. And this is just an example of the two you put in your, your brains and your skill sets together to do this. Thank you so much. I think what's really important, and this goes back to launching Unicreamer, is this is what most companies do. You download a tracking software because you know you need it. And you're like, I know I need affiliates. I'm not really clear what the difference between influencer and affiliate is, but I know I need it. So I'm going to download it. And then I'm going to sign or make this fancy application form, make it really pretty. And then I'm going to like put it in my header of my email. And then it's like crickets. So when I started working with Kelsey and learned about what she did with affiliate marketing, it was really important for us to put together a process because that is what people are lacking. It's everyone knows they need it. They just don't know how to scale it. So that's the one solution that we provide is like all the questions that you just asked are so relevant because people don't know. I didn't know either. So you just need to have that process to do the tiers, to communicate with them the data that they would have, you know, these larger ones would have made if they were to do this. Like we took all that into consideration when creating this program. Do you have, so to that point, do you have a client success story that, you know, used your program, used your process and actually turned this into a lot of sales? I mean, I know you do, but can you share one? So we had this men's brand. They came to us. We have a few different offerings. They didn't do our enterprise. They did our, what we call playbook. And they started off with trying to get affiliates by shooting out a Facebook ad and essentially just saying like, we'll give you this product if you sign up to be an affiliate. And they had 200 inactive affiliates. And when they came to us, they were like, well, we know we need affiliate marketing. We really just don't know what to do. We have some... And so we started with their lowest hanging fruit. We taught them how to craft messaging around trying to get their actual customers. We realized that the 200 inactive affiliates weren't even their affiliate avatar. Affiliate avatar was actually younger and that they were college students and that they didn't want a community. They wanted mentorship. So they created an affiliate program, got these college students on Slack, incentivized them to get their friends on, had the founder come on and almost mentor them. So that was literally their affiliate program. And these guys already loved their the men's jewelry line. And so they were starting to create all this user-generated content, making some money, but participating highly in the brand because they were so invested at this point from the mentorship that they had. So they went from 200 inactive affiliates to by the time they graduated from our playbook in like, probably, I don't know, four to six weeks, they were one of our fastest ones to like 15, but super active college student affiliates. And now they probably have way more. And I want to clarify, this was literally just using your playbook. This wasn't using your very expensive high-end service. This yeah. was using your playbook. Yeah, they were one of my favorites because they really like worked fast and they took everything we said to heart and just went, gung-ho and they're yeah. super successful now but they were one of my favorites i would say yeah and it was That's creative awesome. too 
Yeah. Yeah. So you have one? Yeah, it was actually one of the first clients that we had after we just kind of started focusing on affiliate marketing. And I actually approached them and asked them, I knew how loyal their customers were. And I'm like, you're missing out on, you're leaving a lot of revenue on the table. People love your brand. We need to let them represent it. And I'm not kidding you. This guy was like, I will let you try this, but I'm not paying you until it works. And I was like, okay, let's do it. So I took, took the risk. And in the first day, we had 150 applications come through because people were just so excited. Mind you, the price point of this product was $80 to $150. And in the first 30 days, we did $170,000 in affiliate-generated revenue because these people Jeez. were so pumped. The things that these affiliates were doing to promote these products. I mean, there was guys that were literally building or creating like bumper stickers and slapping them around the streets in New York City with their affiliate codes on them. People were making t-shirts and walking around with their affiliate codes on them. The point here is that if you have that customer base, you're leaving so much money on the table by not turning those customers into affiliates. And I think there's that like almost lack mindset for a lot of people that they're like, well, if I give all of my customers an affiliate code and a personal discount, then aren't I going to lose a lot of revenue because these are my customers? No, because those customers are going to go out and create 10 new customers each. And again, it's going to spider web. So yeah, it, it is so powerful what your loyal customers can do for you. I love that you just referenced that because that is the fear that some of the people listening will have. Like, wait a minute, first I'm supposed to get customers, then I'm supposed to voluntarily give away a big chunk of the sale to these loyal customers. I'm not going to make any damn money. And they're missing right. the part where when done correctly, or when you follow your playbook that you guys put together, you're converting them into insane advocates for your brand where that one customer is turning into a multiple of five customers or 10 right. customers, you know, new ones coming to your brand. And, and so right. you can't have a lack of mindset. You have to have a, an attitude of abundance, number one, but the skill sets on how to exactly make this happen. Yeah, totally. you're taking what good companies are already doing and you're monetizing it because you're taking like their loyal customers that already love you and you're giving them more options. Like that is literally what you're doing. So we have some companies that come to us with a fear of like, we're a premium brand. I don't want to come off as like a salesy brand. And it's like, no, you're literally just like, making them a part of your company. Like that's exactly what we're doing here. And you're like building a hundred or 500 person marketing team without having to give them salaries. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And to piggyback on that, every single affiliate program is different. So a commodity type product, like a vitamin brand, you know, that's giving 10% commission and the affiliates are just holding up the product online and taking stories is not necessarily going to be the brand for like a premium watch company. You are going to design every single program in a unique way. There's going to be a different affiliate offer. You're going to have a different type of community. The messaging is going to be different. So there's no one size fits all here. It needs to be in accordance with your goals and then also your overall brand messaging. The thing I like about the two of you is you're not afraid to charge your worth, but then also make things accessible at the same time to the everyday brand new, you know, CPG or physical product company founder like you guys once were. So if someone was going to work with you guys as an agency and, you know, have you do these things for them and, and give your expertise to them real time, they have to have a six figure, probably marketing budget, not for the ads, just to retain the two of you, right? And, and so everyone listening, I don't want to say everyone, but let's say 97 out of 100 people listening, they're like, I don't have six figures to give these two girls to teach me how to do this. And you guys take the time to dissect your process, put it into this playbook and make it accessible to everyone if they're willing to figure it out. So the big question is this, if somebody were to get their hands on this playbook, is it going to be confusing? Is it going to take them 10 hours before they see any results or is it intuitive and easy to turn on right away? Chris, before we answer that, I will say when you said we're not afraid to charge our worth, one of the reasons why we're not anymore is because I can hear you in the back of our head because <laughs> this is like one thing that you've taught us. I could just hear if we were to charge something that wasn't worth it, you'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? 
your voice is like there permanently. I've probably said that to you guys on at least 10 occasions. Not to say that that hasn't been a journey because I think a lot of people can relate to that, that there, this has been a journey over the past few years of us really figuring out how valuable what we're offering is. And I think it really just took us seeing it live time and firsthand and the results we were creating for people to really realize that. So I think that's kind of part of the journey though, you know, trying to yeah. figure that out. Yeah. It is. Okay, so- and the people that can span that journey the fastest, right? Like get up to their true worth the fastest are the ones that are going to win. You guys done a great job of that. Still doesn't change the fact that most people listening can't hand you a check for six figures. So what's yeah. the solution? <laughs> yeah, that took a hot minute, but they can get started right away. As soon as you have this in your hands, it is the same thing that we use for, it's the same process we use for enterprise clients. Literally the same exact thing. This is for someone who just wants to accelerate their company or their business. And they have access to a community portal, which we just launched where it's 24-7 customer service with us. Literally 24-7, we are there. We have an amazing project manager there and a community manager who are always putting in up-to-date stats so you can stay relevant. Like everything we do is just shifting, moving forward. So if we are going to present to you that we are the number one affiliate marketing agency, we're going to make sure that every day we're looking at like what's going on in the market and giving you up-to-date information. And then we also have office hours. So like once again, with uh, I'll give them a shout out, Louis Elite, like the men's line that we worked with. They, you can go as fast as you want. Like they launched theirs probably even in two weeks and then they like scaled it within six. You can go as fast as you want. And then there's some people that have a lot of other things going on and they're using it over time and they're still getting calls on the books or not, I'm sorry, not with us directly, but on our office hours and giving us questions ahead of time. So we're able to answer those. Yeah. It was so important for us to actually create this playbook because Lori and I, like we were just talking about earlier, like we've been there, like that was us. We were those new brands and we couldn't afford a really large retainer to have an agency do those kinds of things for us. And we get that. So what's really different about like how we built this is that we're coming at it from a brand's perspective. We are the non-agency agency because we have all been brand owners before. And it's really important for us to be able to accommodate for those those smaller brands as well. I absolutely love that. By the way, sorry, I had to have it muted because bananas is going bananas in the background. Like I said, dog-friendly <laughs> podcast, the, the perks for work from home. So how much is the investment to uh, be able to get your hands out on this playbook? The playbook is priced at 2500 but we have something special for you today for anybody that's laying so. out <laughs> something special because we're like if we're going to actually help people we got to do it and make it affordable how affordable do we make it yeah so we're, we price this out at 2500 and to be honest at 2500 it is a steal like Lori said this is like the exact same process that we're using with our enterprise level clients and we put it in text and video and everything for you we want to give it to your whole audience at $497 and Come on. We want to do that because we just, we just launched this new community portal and we want to have everyone who wants to start an affiliate program have the opportunity to be a part of this at the ground level and really grow this community with us. So I think this is very well suited here in this situation. This is so badass. $2,500 is a steal for people. You guys are willing to give it to our community, our listeners for $497, something that every single founder can afford. Really odd question. Would this work if someone had a, a not a physical product, but an e-course or a book or something like that? Could they use these same principles? Oh, yes. yes. We, yes. Were, we even did a podcast about this the other day. It's actually sometimes could be better because you don't have a lot of overhead. You can afford to give a really high commission. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people sitting around who are great affiliates who sell people's courses and programs all day. So if you can offer someone, for instance, if you have a $2,500 course and you can give them a $1,000 commission because you don't have that much overhead, that's a lot of money for someone to make if they sell two of your courses a month. That's like an extra $2,000. So if you're able to build an affiliate program and have the right communication and process behind it with a higher price point, then that's gold, honestly. Yeah. With products, you're restricted. You have to consider your cost of goods sold, your packaging, your shipping. And sometimes it gets down to the point that you might only be able to give 10% commission and then you have to start getting creative like we were talking about earlier. 
when it's services, there's usually a, well, uh, there is a lot larger markup. I mean, we're working with like med spas, uh, packaging companies and things like that. And they can incentivize their affiliates so strongly. So really, like Lori said, it's almost trending a little bit in more towards the direction of this working really, really well for services. There was someone actually who had a mastermind recently who felt so bad because some of these women couldn't afford her mastermind. So she basically was like, hey, like, I want you to be in and I believe in you. If you just get two to three friends in here, you you make enough to come into the mastermind for free as part of her affiliate program. And when you phrase it like that, then they really feel like really special because they know that this is important to you as a coach, like for you to be in the mastermind and you're just like helping them get in there more easily. Okay, so courses services, but especially this was originally designed for, you know, consumer packaged goods. And it just applied to those things as well. This is the blueprint, the playbook on how to create the affiliate programs that work today, not the BS ones that worked, you know, Mm -hmm. last year and the year before and the year before that. Where can they get it? Where do they go? www.rexy.co, not com, co. (laughs) And that's Rexy. It's R E xxy two x's dot yes. co not com so <laughs> www.rexy with two x's dot co i can say it one more time or they're going to screw it up <laughs> listen listener it is www.rexy r-e-x-x-y dot co and all they have to do is put in coupon code chris coupon code chris and it will come down to 497 dollars that's insane. Guys, I want to thank you for your generosity. Like that is really, really insane that you're going to scrape $2,000 off of an already absurd value just for my listeners and, and, and to help other people that you wish somebody would help you this way when you were starting. Any friend of yours is a friend of ours, Chris. I feel the exact same way about you guys. All right, guys. So make sure you go to www.rexy.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.co.